0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, and everything that he did for us. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to the finished work today that we leave different, with weight taken off of us and not put on us. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how will you know you're here in grace? It's going to take a weight off you. It's not going to put a weight on you. You should walk out of here feeling lighter than you came in. Because we carry the burdens throughout the week, and then we come to hear the word And that should be taking the burdens off of us. The greatest compliment that I've ever gotten was that very thing where they said, I just feel like a weight's been taken off of me. Because that's what grace does. Why? Because he carried the burden so we don't have to. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the God who sees around the corner. The youth are actually getting this tonight. The God who sees around the corner. So when we're talking about future, the word wisdom is there. If you look at the book of Proverbs with all the wise sayings, it's here's a path and it leads to this. Here's another path and it leads to that. Wisdom. Wisdom isn't something that we have in the essence of, oh, now in my mind I have wisdom. No, it's a person. Do you know 1 Corinthians One thirty says that Christ is unto us wisdom, first and foremost, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Matter of fact, without the wisdom, you can't ever understand righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Okay? So uh, let's look at Jesus as our wisdom and what are three things about him that comes out in the wisdom for us. First one, Proverbs 18, 24, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Matter of fact, if you look at this scripture, the full scripture, it says, hey, you might have lots of friends, but there's one friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I love it. The word sticks closer is one word and it's this Hebrew word, Debek. Do you know what it means? To cleave and hold on for dear life. Do you know Jesus is cleaving onto you and holding for dear life? He's not going to let you go. Matter of fact, there was another scripture. I remember, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Right? And he, he, was telling, he was telling about his Father that he says, no one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. Do you know how that was possible? It was paid for. We don't deserve for him to cleave onto us and, and not never let us go because his hands were pierced and blood was shed. We were redeemed for where God would never, ever, ever, ever let us go. He's a friend that sticks closer than brother. Listen, there is such intimacy here. Where's the first time we saw this? Abraham is the only one mentioned in the Old Testament that says he was a friend of God. Nobody else. All the other greats. All the ones that made it into the hall of faith. None of them had that title that they were a friend of God. In the intimacy that he had with the Lord, pre-incarnate. Even look at Sodom and Gomorrah. He interceded for them. And the Lord hearkened and listened to what he had to say. Friend of God. listen. We were created to have that one special friend in our life. And when we try to go to other places to get that friendship, they will always let us down, but he will never let us down for the last time because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can talk to him about anything. And he sees around the corner and he can tell you exactly what path to go down. And not only will he tell you, he will walk with you all the way through it. Then there is Hebrews 4.15. He's also in this, our high priest. He's the one that we are connected to God through. Do you know everything that you pray goes through Jesus before it goes to the Father? And did you know that Jesus takes your prayer and all the things that are in it that are of the flesh, he removes, he adds his fragrance to it, and he presents it to the Father, and the Father receives it as it was from Jesus himself. Wow. You don't ever have to worry about your prayers not being answered. There might seem like there's a delay, but that delay doesn't mean that they're not going to be answered. Amen? Amen. So it says, we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Now let's get a hold of this right here real quick. The word feelings is sympathio. That's where we get our English word sympathy. It means to feel the same thing. Do you know what you feel? Jesus feels it too. Don't forget, you're in him and he's in you. Everything that you feel, he feels, and he understands and identifies. Why? Because he himself became a man. The Godhead, of this, which is the Son of God, came down and became a man so he would know exactly what it was like to be us. You want somebody that can relate with you? You can tell your story to everybody, but there's one that can relate to you like nobody else can. Why? Because he feels exactly what you feel. And then there's the word infirmities. Asthenia is the Greek word. This means your inabilities. He can identify with your inability to do whatever it is that you're supposed to do. He understands why you can't do what you're supposed to do because he knows behind it there is a wound. And until that wound gets healed, that behavior will never change. It's like this. If a guy got ran over and he got a broke leg and he was on crutches, telling him and grabbing his crutches and throwing down and say, now walk right, that's what we do to people. We don't understand. We, we look at what they're doing, but we don't understand why they're doing it, so we're not able to help them. And because we're not able to help them, they stay in the same condition. And then we turn around and we condemn him. He will never condemn you for any inabilities that you have. But he will bring healing to that area where that wound is so that you can walk out those things. But guess what? It's a relationship. I don't care how much you read the Bible. I don't care how much you study the Bible. Can I tell you something? There are some things that can only be experienced. And when you understand like I understand that I know what it's like to feel like there's no way God could ever love me and then he came in and loved me and what that did to my life, I was changed. I would never be the same. I'm not saying I got it all together, but that event that took place that one time and that experience that I was loved when I thought there was no way he could love me, he shattered that wrong way of thinking and I experienced something different and that's done more for me than 20 years of studying Got free from a drug addiction, been clean 20 years now, be 21 soon. So we have a high priest that, can, that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Wow. Let's look at the next one. Hebrews 13, 5. So we know this one. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said... He himself has said. There's not as many times where it's being said that it actually says, but the Lord himself has said. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, he himself has said. So he's getting another reference from somewhere else where God said something. And it says, it clearly as this, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, what's interesting about this is that if you go back and you study the Greek, Four times the double negative "ume" is mentioned, which is I will not. And so in the opening of the verse says, I will not, I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not. Four times. Did you realize there was a mention of four hands? Jesus' two hands that cleaves on, never lets us go. And then God the Father's two hands that cleaves on it and nobody can, snap, nobody can snatch us out of his hands. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Four times. Now let's look at these words and break these words down a little bit. The word leave is enemi. It means he won't relax his hold on you. Think about the hands of God. There's none stronger. And he says he will not relax his hold on you. Somebody has you In their hands. And they have all the power in the entire universe. And there's none greater than him. And he says, I will not, I will not, I will not relax my hold on you. What's security? If there's no security in anything Jesus has done, we're on our own. And if we're on our own, we will miserably fail. Because we can't hold ourselves up. But he can. And then he goes on. And he says, I won't forsake you. It's ekatalipo. And it means I won't leave you as an orphan. So think about this. This is what it's saying, okay? It's saying, I will not, I will not, I will not relax my hold on you or leave you as an orphan. I will not. That's the Greek. He had to end it with one more, I will not. For our benefit, that we would understand that there's somebody greater than ourselves that is holding us. And he's full of loving kindness, mercy, and grace. And there's no end to any of those things. So what's this relationship that we have with wisdom? Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom. I love it. Right there off the bat. He gives. It's the Hebrew word Nathan. And it literally means to give profusely and in an abundance. Wisdom. See, in order to see around the corner, we need him because we can't do it on our own. And so with just that first part, then the next verse that I'm going to bring up is James 1.5. What does James 1.5 says? If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give him liberally and without reproach. Liberally and without reproach. I used to think, because I'm a teacher and I study... I used there. There there is a place for that, but I used to think that was the most important thing. And you know what is the most important thing? I found out is sitting in his loving arms, letting him love on you. Because when you walked away and you feel loved, you'll do what love does. (laughs) It's about an intimate relationship, not a bunch of head knowledge. Remember, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. But by all means, study. I study, but I know that's not my source. Can God speak to me through straight? Absolutely, but I have seen it more effective when I just sit in his arms and I'm saying, Daddy, I don't know what to do. And he wraps those arms around me and he loves on me and he loves me into the wholeness that I need so that I can go out and live the life that I need to live. And then following the instruction seems so simple because it's all the fruit of the spirit, love. It all starts with love and then joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not the work of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Do you know, according to the book of Proverbs, you know what a fool is? Somebody that doesn't have wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And, and if you really interpret this, the shadow of wisdom in the Old Testament is Jesus. Do you know it also talks a lot about birds and snares, which are traps? But see, if you have somebody that you're walking with that sees around the corner, let me, here, with wisdom, we're all going to go through things. Hey, listen, everybody look at me. We're all going to go through things and there's going to be things that happen to us that aren't fair. But with wisdom, we can live a life with a lot less of that simply just asking him give me wisdom he says if anybody lacks wisdom the whole key to that is that we all lack wisdom because if we had it we wouldn't need him but he is wisdom and we have him because we need him and he's the one that can see around the corner why he's the alpha and he is the omega he's the beginning and the end Do you know the first Hebrew letter is Aleph? The last Hebrew letter is Tav? Aleph is a picture of a sacrificial animal. Tav is a picture of a cross. The sacrifice on the cross. Do you you know that it said out of time? It says in Revelations that, that he was crucified before the foundation of the world. So you have the one that's out of time, that sees everything comprehensively all at once... And he lives in you, and you live in him. He has his arms bared around you. He's your best friend. He's your high priest. And he's the one that says, I will not, I will not, I will not leave you or forsake you. I will not. That's what you got. All when you open your mouth and said, Jesus, help me. And you got saved. You got all that. The problem is people don't know what they have. And because they don't know what they have, they don't live out that abundant life. That's why it's our jobs to teach people what they have so they can get the full benefit. Right? You could go out and buy a brand new car, and if you don't read the owner's manual right, and know exactly what it can do, you're not benefiting from it all, are you? Well, it's the same thing with Christianity. You have it all, the work's been finished. Knowing what you have access to is so important doesn't mean that God's grace still doesn't flow and he still isn't working things in your life. No, I didn't say that. But to get the full capacity of what he died for you to have. That's why it says my people perish for lack of knowledge. But what is that knowledge of? Jesus. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just Bible knowledge. How many know you can have Bible knowledge and not have Jesus? There's a lot of great scholars out there that aren't born again filled with the Holy Spirit, but they're amazing theologians. Listen, theology never saved anybody's life, but Jesus saves everybody's life. Make sense? And I, I want you to get the end of this because this is especially the day and age that we live in. How many, We're living in some pretty crazy days, aren't we? Dude, me and my wife were talking the other day. I was like, I didn't ever think that we would see this. I thought, you know, we'd be raptured up, we'd be gone. And, you know, that's what I thought. You know what I'm saying? And we're seeing it. It says in the last days, nation will rise against nation. What do you think is happening in our country right now? It's the last days. Now, I still believe in the rapture. If you don't, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me on that. I'm not worried about that, okay? Because in the end, I know where all of our destinations are, Mm -hmm. okay? But saying that, protection. So, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield, To those who walk uprightly, by the way, if you're born again filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're righteous, so you're walking uprightly. So there's a shield protecting you. He guards the path of justice, and he preserves the way of his saints. Wow. Three protections there. Three. Amen? So in the end, wisdom won't only show you what's around the corner. Wisdom will protect you as you go around the corner. How many knows when you don't understand what, what, what the end is, you know, it's like it's, it's a lot more difficult than it. Oh, I already know what's around the corner. And that's why I believe God doesn't show us everything at once. Because we have in each one of us a longing to live an exciting life. Humdrum life is not what he has for us. He has us to live an exciting life life and we don't have to know all what happens but we know who he is to us and he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother okay and he's got us eric what happens if i mess up my life what happens what if i really messed things up right and you're like living with regret because of the things that you've done maybe the things that i've done we've all messed up right we all have areas where even at this look Take the church face off, come in here and be real, okay? Listen, you ain't got it all together. Nobody in this room does. Everybody is messed up in some form or fashion or another. So where's my life going to end up? And he gives us an answer, Romans eight twenty eight. And we know all things, all is the Greek word pas. That means nothing is excluded. And we know all things work together for the good to those who love God and which are called according to His purpose. By the way, it's not those who love God in the sense of they love God first; it's that God first loved them, and therefore, in return, they love God. Just so you don't, nobody gets disqualified. Well, how do I know if I love God enough? Because that's the kind of stuff that we don't. It's just such a waste of time to go into going into that kind of thinking. Listen, it's never your love for God; it's His love for you, hmm. and His love for you will change your love for yourself for God and for other people. But if you think you can do that on your own, you got another thing coming. Nobody can. Because if they could, when they gave the law, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, if we could do that, then we wouldn't need Jesus. But he loved us with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength and put himself on a cross. He said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. Amen? Good news, right? You mean, Eric, I don't have to love God with all my heart? No, you can't. And even on your best day with grace, it's not enough. But it was never about our love for God. It was always about his love for us. But I will tell you this, when you feel loved, you'll live like like you're loved. Mm -hmm. Amen? All right, so uh, work together. Son ergio. Son means together, and ergio means work. That means he works together with you to bring to something to completeness. 1999, November 15th. I got released from L.A. County Jail. And I had a Bible in my hand. And I had been reading the scriptures. I had never done as much as I did that last time that I was locked up from all the other times. Did you notice all the other times I was locked up? And um, so... When you're getting released, you, you get your clothes back, right? Because you had had a uniform on. You get your clothes back, and then you go through this window, and they run an NCIC check, which is basically a last check to make sure you don't have any felony warrants anywhere else in the country. It's just the stuff that they do. Welcome, welcome, praise the Lord. And so anyways, um, <laughs> I didn't know, I, I, I didn't grow up in church. My mom told me about Jesus, but my father, because of what the Baptist church did to him. We weren't allowed to go to church. My mom wasn't allowed to have people over for Bible study. Whole big mess, we didn't grow up in church. I didn't know God actually talked to you. Are you hearing me? I didn't know God could talk to you. Nobody had ever told me that before. Basically, I was at that last, I passed the NCIS check and I was going out the door And I went to take that Bible, and I was going to put it down, because anything you didn't want to take with you, you could leave right there. And I heard a voice that said, don't put that Bible down. And I went ahead and dropped it anyway, and I walked out the door. See, with the wrong way of thinking, you're thinking, oh, this is going to end up jacked up. Do you know my drug addiction got worse at that point than it ever was before? Because we're answering the question, what did you mess up? That was, a, that was a mess up. Basically, I was saying, Jesus, you know, I don't want you anymore. I'm going to go out. I got this. And now, Isn't that how we can be? Even with, it did not even have to be with drugs. It can be in our normal lives. We're like, Jesus, don't worry. You know, I got this. <sighs> right? We all can do that. So that was November 15th, 1999. I never forgot that date. Because that was the last time I ever went to jail. And within three days, I was back on crystal meth. Now, if you don't know anything about crystal meth without going into much detail, you couldn't put anything more toxic in your body. Only other two comparisons would be cocaine or heroin, right? So I'm back on this again. One day, I find these people, and uh, they were like, hey, you want to cash some hot checks for me? And I said, sure, I'll do it, you know, because then I can get drugs. Listen, just so you understand, telling a drug addict to quit doing drugs will never work. Telling them that they have the power to choose not to do drugs will never work. Because there were times I wanted out, but I still couldn't get out. Because the wound was so deep. And I didn't love myself. Listen, I'll show you people that don't love themselves, and they will live destructive lifestyles. But I'll show you a person that loves themselves because God loves them, and they know that God loves them. What kind of lifestyle they live? Totally different. So, uh, did the deed, came back in, and I was going to collect my money. They said, "Hey, do you do you want meth?" I said, "Sure. I mean, you're just saving me a phone call. You know, to the on a pager. Remember, that was back when they had pagers. You're just saving me sitting around at a, at a you know." Uh, one of those telephones on the outside, you know what I mean? And so they, so they gave it to me and I went upstairs into the hotel room that I had finagled to get into. Um, however, I don't remember. I pulled some kind of scam to get it. That was my life, just scam after scam after scam. That's what drug addict lives, you know what I mean? Unless they got money and they don't have to pull scams, but you don't find too many of those. Um, and so I overdosed in the room and it felt like my heart was going to explode. And I said, Oh, by the way, I had already received Jesus. I had already gotten saved. And I said, Jesus, help me. And I went down, out the door, down the stairs, out the front door, onto Sunset Strip, a banger right, and then I took the next left and I started walking because I didn't want to die in that hotel room. Let me die out on the streets. I don't want to die in that hotel room. And um, so I went and walked for a while. Then I turned around and went back. By the time I was walking up the second story stairs to get back into the hotel room, I was so sober that it was as if I never took any drugs. And when I walked through the door, I understood what happened. He saved me. And I felt love in that room that I had never experienced in my life before. And even when I said I didn't want him, he didn't let me go. And he came and he saved me when he didn't have to. And that changed everything. I never touched drugs again. And out of all the 15 years I'd been to NA, I've been to AA, I've been to every kind of A that you can think of. I went through turning point, you know, uh, uh, drug rehabs. I went through all this stuff. None of it. I was right back to it. I was right back to it. I was right back to it. Even the program that I did for 90 days before I got released out of jail, okay, went right back to it. Never went back to it again. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking, Eric, and I just, you know, I messed up. Is God really going to work it out together for the good? I believe so. Because he did it for me. And that's just one instance. He's going to work all things out together for the good. So let's look at the coup de grace here of God's plans for our life. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of good... Not of disaster. It's not a mix of both. Plans of good and not of disaster. Of a hope and a future and an expected end. Now, the first thing is is this uh, plans. Makashabeth is the Hebrew word. And it's a picture of a thread being woven into a beautiful tapestry as part of God's divine plan for all of mankind. And that's you. He wove that in. You're part of a beautiful tapestry. And guess what that beautiful tapestry is? Christ. <laughs> it's Christ. Got it. And then it says, a hope and a future expected end. It's only one Hebrew word, tikvah. A hope and a future. See, look, a hope has to do with your future How do we get to that future? Jesus is wisdom to help us get there, okay? And then an expected end. The Hebrew word tikva is a tav, a kuf, a vav, and a hey. Tav is a picture of a cross. Kuf, which means what follows. Uh, Vav is a picture of a hook or a nail to join two things together. And hey is a picture of grace. So... When you receive Jesus, the cross, what follows is is that you're hooked or you're secured to grace. Do you know in uh, John chapter 1 it says Jesus came as grace and truth? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He is grace. Because of the cross, you're secured to grace and you can't get away. And no matter what you do, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be your best friend. He will be your high priest. Everything that you need, he will be. And just a little word that I feel like the Lord wanted to share. Your latter days will be greater than your former days. Hmm. Expect good, not because of how good you are, but because of how good he is. Well, Eric, man, don't I need to be obedient and don't don't I need to follow all the rules and all? Hey, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But that's not what gets you, God's goodness. Because if it was, guess what? We would have never needed Jesus to come. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Right now, Lord, I just pray where every person where they've carried heaviness that you would remove that weight off of them right now that you would give them hope future and expected end would be secured in their heart that they know that there was good days ahead to look forward despite what we see physically with our eyes right now because spiritually you are working it out together for the good behind the scenes And love, Lord, let love be established. Let grace be established. Let mercy be established in their hearts that they can be assured that how God says he feels about them, he does feel about them, and he's going to show them. And I pray for opportunities of experience of all these things in their lives to where no doubt will reign anymore, but they will be secure in all these things. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.